Hello, thank you for listening to the Avenue GCLC podcast. My name is Christopher Stevens, and I'm the minister at the Avenue G Church of Christ, where we are people of more. We hope that you enjoy and have enjoyed listening to this podcast, where you can find sermons, congregational singing, and talk shows with myself and youth minister Joshua Williams. We pray that the content is a blessing to you, and we hope that everyone listening can join us in person for worship and Bible class. We are located at 601 West Avenue G, Temple, Texas, 76504. And don't forget to visit us online at avegcoc.org. From the people of Moore to you, thank you and God bless. For that day, it won't be very long. Amen. I think Brother Rose sang that song for a reason. He chose the title, It Won't Be Very Long, before I came up to preach. Uh, I forgive him for that. I can't promise you that I will be short. I do have something to say. Good to see Roy in the audience. Uh, it's a blessing to be here as we continue our, our People of More uh, sermon series, uh, where we've touched on everything that is inclusive uh, to our mission statement as being people of more. People of more. Uh, we seek to, as the Avenue G Church of Christ, we seek to be people of more. And all of that entails uh, learning more, loving more, doing more, and teaching more. Uh, that is a, 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 a process that is never complete. That is something that we should be working on every time, trying to do more every time. We seek to learn more so that we know exactly what it is that God wants us to do. Uh, we can't live faithful lives as Christians if we don't know what it is that God wants us to do. We seek to love more through fellowship with each other. What a good is a church if they don't even love each other? We seek to do more, and do more means that we do more than come into these four walls. We get out and we show the world who God is, what God does, what God looks like. We make God visible to those who are people who don't know him. And our fourth, which is our subject for today, is to teach more. Teach more. Um, I, I've, been going, I've gone over this twice, and I'm hoping that Kendon is paying attention as I've gone through the first slide. Let's go on to the, the third one there, Kendon. All right, there we go. So go through those four things right there. So today our focus is on teaching more. And we, by teaching more, we fulfill the Great Commission. We fulfill the Great Commission found in Matthew 28, 18 through 20. Matthew 28, there we go. Good job. We fulfill the Great Commission. We fulfill the Great Commission by going through the, the Great Commission found in Matthew 28, 18 through 20. And where the Bible reads, And Jesus came and said to them, All authority... In heaven, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, that is an action word, right? We remember from last week, this is a participle. That means that as you are going, usually those participles deal in ing words. So as you are going, and we all are going throughout the week, right? As you are going, as you are going, what does it say there? As you are going, make disciples of all nations. Everybody's a little slow this morning. I was waiting on Brother Arnold. <laughs> As you are going, make disciples of all nations. To, to be a disciple means that you are a student. Amen. To be a disciple means that you are a student. And we can't be about the business of making disciples if we don't know the subject material ourselves. Amen. 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 Go and make disciples of all nations. That means that even though someone may not look like me externally, even though they may not have grown up in the same neighborhood that I grew up in, even though they may not have as much money in the bank as I do, that means that I still am commanded to go and make a student out of them according to God's word. Amen. Amen? And he says that after you have made students of them, at that point, that is when you baptize them, right? Because we have a history of getting people wet and then saying, you're good to go, right? We have to make them students first, baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, right? Now, Brother Arnold, what does it say there? Go, therefore. Oh, verse 20. 
teaching them <laughs> and teaching them to observe all that I have commanded to you. To observe or obey everything that I have commanded you. And behold, and behold, I am with you always. And he says again for emphasis sake, Jesus says, after you have made students out of them, then I want you to baptize them for the remission of their sins. Then I want you to again to continue to teach them. Amen. And we can't teach. Again, like I said, we can't teach if we don't know the material. And we can't learn what it is that we need to be taught if we don't come to Bible class. Amen. Amen. Silence hit when I said that. <laughs> as as we still continue to have half of this number here at Bible class. No, it, you know what? I, I, I take that back. It did go up the last week. It did go up. And and sometimes you have to afflict the comfortable, all right? You have to afflict the comfortable to get them closer to God. So as we look at this, we're commanded to go out and to teach, baptize, and continue to teach. But how do we do this in a generation? How do we do this in this generation? Uh, I recently came across this uh, outline by Eric W. Hayden, in which he was having uh, a session Sunday school teachers, and he was teaching them how to be effectual Sunday school teachers. And what that word means is to producing or able to produce a desired effect. When we teach, we want to make sure that what we're teaching is getting into the individual, is taking root, and is changing their lives so that they may live better lives. Amen? Because the gospel isn't just about a future salvation. It isn't about a future rescuing, rescuing from damnation. The gospel is about a rescuing here today. Do you understand that God is rescuing us right here and now? It's not just a heaven thing that happens later. First two rows said amen. Y'all come to, y'all come to Wednesday night Bible classes. We've been talking about this thing. God is able, God is able to rescue us right now and we're supposed to be transforming the inner man that who was in us right now into what it will be for an eternity later we currently live in a world that when they hear words like jesus gospel holy sin right wrong god church they both begin and end conversations for far too long christians have abused the word of god making it to mean what they want it to mean for their gain Ministers getting rich off the gospel. People making other people out to feel bad because they don't believe what is right in their heart. For far too long, religious men holding trusted positions have abused their power. And for far too long, we have been comfortable with the country club environment. We're okay with coming and sitting in a room with people who think like us. We're not comfortable with going out and talking to a world who thinks differently than we think. And so we just catered this relationship among ourselves. And what has happened is, is the church has started to literally die because the people who make up the church are literally dying and a generation after them are being lost because they have no access to God and they don't see God as being real in their world. So how do we teach it? How do we teach it? Uh, You'll need to... uh, effectively reach to people. Now, this lesson is going to be different from the ones that I've been teaching in the sermon series and the fact that this is not an exegetical message. That means I'm not taking this passage and taking the meaning out from what God is saying from it and applying it to it. This is a didactic one. This is one of teaching. What I'm going to do is I'm going to take one verse and I'm going to show you how we can revive a dying generation. Turn your Bibles with me to 2 Kings chapter 4. 2 Kings chapter 4. 2 Kings chapter 4. Go back to that slide prior to that, Kenya. Thank you. Uh, 2 Kings chapter 4. That's Old Testament. 2 Kings chapter 4. So we have this, 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 this man who has taken the mantle of God's chosen man, God's prophet, after Elijah has gone through the things that Elijah's going to go through. Do y'all remember Elijah? Raise your hand if you remember Elijah. That's going to make it a lot shorter if a lot more people remember that. All right. Now you're saying, yes, I want to make it the golden corral. All right. So if you remember Elijah, Elijah is the one that went up on that mountain and he was facing all of these different prophets from these different gods. And he said, I now put Yahweh God before your gods and challenge you to set this altar here on fire. And he was successful. 
But what happened was, is that even though he was successful and even though God was working through Elijah, Elijah found himself to still be very alone. And he found himself to be discouraged. And so Elijah, he prayed to God and he said, I need some help, God. I need you to somebody to help me do your will. And Elijah was in a cave all depressed and down about what was going on. And God caused all of these great things to happen. And God spoke to Elijah in a whisper and all of these great things continue to transpire. He finally finds someone who is, who will be his successor in Elisha. And Elisha is a man of God and he goes about uh, uh, speaking God's word to, to, to all types of different people. And he meets this Shunammite family. And these are people who don't believe in the same God that we believe in. But the Shunammite family, they believe that Elisha is actually a man of God. And his, his, his words and his actions are so great and so proven that they, that they say, let's, let's build Elisha a room on top of our home. Let's take care of this man of God as he goes about preaching the word. Let's take care of this man of God. And he stays with them. And he's with these people and they don't have any children. Just like any other family in that time knew in his heart that this woman would want a son. Because to have a son at this time meant that you would be taken care of if your husband were to die. It meant that your name continued to live on. And so he tells them, you're going to have a son. And the son grows up. And he, he gets older, and he's out in the field with his father one day, and it's hot outside. And this boy, he falls. And the Bible says that he becomes sick. And he has to go into his house, and they send for Elisha. His son is about to die. Most scholars believe that it's a heat stroke and it's taken over this son. He's about to die. Elijah doesn't get there in time, and the child dies. And he's laid up inside of the home. And Elijah 4, 32, uh, go to the next slide, Kenneth. When Elisha came into the house, he saw that the, lying, that the child lying dead on his bed. He saw the child lying dead on his bed. Next slide there. Verse number 34. Then he went up and lay on the child. Then he went up and lay on the child. Putting his mouth on his mouth. Putting his mouth on his mouth. His eyes on his eyes. His eyes on his eyes. And his hands on his hands. And his hands on his hands. And as he stretched himself upon him. And as him, he stretched himself upon him. The flesh of the child the became warm. The flesh of the child became warm. Now one thing I want you to see. Look back at verse number 32. I want you to understand that as human beings, when we face death, we know in our heart that it is final. How many of us have been in a room with a person who has passed on? And you go and you touch their body and there's no response. You look at their chest and it no longer moves. And it is an odd feeling because when you walk in a room full of people that are alive, it's like you feel that life in that room. But when you go in a room where someone is dead, you know you're by yourself. You're in there with some flesh. As human beings, when we face death, we know that it's final. And in this world, it's no different in the fact that morality has died. The structure of the home is broken. And the world that we live in is unable to recognize God or the fact that they are even lost. We live in a world full of dead bodies, spiritually speaking. Home structure is gone. Two-mom household, two-father household, children raising parents. We have lost the ability to go to God for instruction. We now Google our answers Man. and we seek. This is the culture we live in. How many of us, before we ask God about anything, we go to Google? It's the truth. It's not a culture where we seek God first. And so now we must be like Elisha in this time where he went into this house. He lay on the child. Verse 34. He put his mouth to his mouth, his eyes on his eyes, his hands on his hands, and he stretched himself upon him. And when doing so, the flesh became warm. I want to first focus on mouth to mouth, mouth to mouth. We must, we must speak the language of the people. We must speak the language of the people. 
Is that clear? We must speak the language of the people. Understand Luke chapter 18, verse number nine. Luke chapter 18, verse number nine. I want you to see how Jesus interacts with this people. Jesus, when he went out to teach these people the word, Jesus would often use language that they would be readily available to understand. These people were people who raised their own food, right? These people were people who dealt with slaves and masters. And Jesus used these words to teach the people. What does Luke chapter 18, verse number 9 say? He also told his parable. It says that Jesus also told this parable to some. Who trusted in themselves. Who trusted in themselves. That they were righteous. That they were righteous. And regarded others with contempt. All right. Two men went up to the temple to pray. Uh Uh-huh. One a Pharisee. And the other attacks. Now, I want you to see right here that when Jesus gives this parable, he know that the people who are hearing this parable, they would not have liked tax collectors. Because for a Jewish person to be a tax collector meant that they were a thief and a traitor. Because what tax collectors would do at this time is they would go to the people and when they were to collect the tax that belonged to the Romans, they would take some extra money with them. And so Jesus presents this to them, knowing how their mind would react to them hearing about a Pharisee who was someone who would have known God's word, who was an expert in God's law, and a tax collector who would have been seen as a traitor. Keep reading. The Pharisee standing by himself. The Pharisee standing by himself. Praying thus. He was praying. Come on. God, Uh I thank you that I am not like other people. Uh Uh-huh. Thieves, rogues, adulterers, Uh or even like this tax collector. He named all these people. He just gave the tax collector as his own category of sin. Keep reading. I fast twice a week. The Pharisee says, I fast twice a week. I I go to Wednesday night Bible class twice a week. You know, there's one Wednesday in the week. I fast twice a week. I fast twice a week. I give a tenth of all my income. I give like I'm supposed to give. But the tax collector. But the tax collector. Standing far off. He stood far off. Would not even look up to heaven. He was so humble in this moment. He says that even though I'm going to God in prayer, I'm not even good enough to look up to the heavens at God. He says he's looking down. Come on. But was beating his breast and saying, what does he say? God, Uh be merciful to me, Uh a sinner. Uh I tell you, this Uh man went down to his home justified rather than the other. For all who exalt themselves will be humbled, but all who humble themselves will be exalted. I want you to understand that what Jesus teaches, what Jesus teaches here in this moment, is that it does not matter. It doesn't matter who you've been. Right. It doesn't matter who you currently are. What matters is, is your disposition toward God. The Pharisee showed no humility at all. The tax collector who would have been known to be a thief, would have known to be dishonest. He showed humility. And God looked upon him better. Now, that's not the message of what I'm trying to get over here. What the message is, is that Jesus used language that they were familiar with in order to reach them and give them a spiritual truth. Now, I want you to understand that what got you saved, what got you in the water, is not going to be the same thing that needs to be said to someone who is younger than you. All right. Amen? You may have been saved because of a great old Negro spiritual hymn that just called you up to the front to be baptized. That may not work for the next generation. You may be you may be used to seeing a white tablecloth on a communion table or not hearing a bass mic during worship. But I want you to understand that the culture of the church can change without the gospel changing. And the reason why churches are dying is because the culture stays the same and they can't hear the gospel because you're trying to teach them your language. You're trying to teach them in your language, and it's a foreign language to them. Does that make sense? So what I did was, what I did was, I found something on the website, and and I think that this would help us to speak the language of the people. The first thing that I think that we should do is, I believe that we should, Ken, we're going to have to get you quicker with these slide changes, partake in mobile communication. 
Use your phone for communication. Guess what? Your smartphone is not just for talking. Yeah. And guess what? Most people who are millennials, they don't use their phone to talk. And we can share the gospel through mobile communication. The second thing is, is that we have to create community. Just because someone is not the same age as you doesn't mean they cannot be in community with you. We need to create community because what younger people, what the younger generation is seeking is to feel a part of something bigger than themselves. They want to feel like they're a part of something bigger than themselves. Why do you think people join games? People get jumped, people would rather get jumped into a gang than be a member of a church because they feel like the gang is family to them. And they have somebody they can go to when they need something. All right. We have to create that same environment for people. Number three, we have to leverage the power of social media. We've been taught in our past that social media is the devil. It's not. It is a means of communicating with the next generation. Can it be used for wrong purposes? Yes. But so can printed media. Some of our old school Playboy subscribers remember. Amen. Number four, demonstrate that you understand their values. Demonstrate that you understand their values. Show that you understand what they're going through. They may be going through something that you called a different name. But you understand and you might have even went through it yourself. Netflix and chill used to be called fornication. (laughs) Getting lit used to mean being drunk. In some cases. Number five, don't be so serious. Loosen up and understand that your freedom helps them. Don't be so serious. We have to understand. We have to understand. If we turn the gospel into the law, we will lose the next generation. What the people of old did in God's time, and when Jesus came, he was breaking all of their rules. God gave the people of Israel Ten Commandments. Don't you know that they put hundreds of rules around those Ten Commandments and made people feel like coming to God was a burden? Nobody should feel like coming to God and worshiping God and living as a Christian is a burden because God didn't put that on us. God didn't put that on us. God doesn't want us to feel like it's a burden to live for him. We cannot do it. We can't place rules where there are none. We have freedom in Christ. Amen. Amen. We have freedom in Christ. Amen. Man. That's why I love worshiping here at Avenue G, because we have a freedom in our worship that is not found everywhere. Go to eye to eye. We must get eye to eye. Just like Elisha did, we must get eye to eye. Second Kings 434. Again, read that for us, Brother Arnold. Then he went up and lay on the child. Okay. Putting his mouth on his mouth uh-huh. and his eyes on his eyes uh-huh. and his hands on his hands. Mm-hmm. And he stretched himself upon him. Mm-hmm. The flesh of the child became warm. We must see the world through their eyes, not how we see it. Now, I want you to understand, because a lot of these times I'm going to be addressing older folks, but I need you to understand that even if you're younger, you need to understand this too. We cannot always seek to get our way. All right. Let me give you a good example. I don't like how you do this during worship, so I'm going to be troubled because of it. I'm going to cause trouble. I'm going to talk behind your back. I'm going to make a problem within the worship because I don't like how you worship. That's someone who's seeking to get their own way. We can't always seek to get our own way. Yes, we have to bear the infirmities of the weak, but the weak have to understand that sometimes they're not right. Amen. Amen. We must see the world through their eyes. Understand, old people, whenever you were young, you knew that when you talked to your elders, sometimes they didn't see things the way that you saw them. Sometimes they didn't see things the way that you saw them. James Brown used to be pretty bad to listen to. Marvin Gaye used to be pretty bad to listen to. 
Just like you get on these young po- young kids for listening to whoever it is they listen to. Amen. Thank you. When it comes to a person's view, here are some things to consider. We have to consider their age. Understand that older people will see a world that has been transformed from what it used to be, and sometimes that's scary. Sometimes for somebody to see something go from what it used to be scares them. And when people don't understand things completely, they fear it. And understand that when you're dealing with old people. Young people, understand that. It's scary to see the world change for them. Young people will see the world for what it could be. You know, young people are always full of dreams. What it could be. Even though as old people, we say that ain't happening. They haven't faced much adversity and they still dream. And they can still think otherwise. Another thing to take into consideration from somebody's viewpoint is their race. Is their race. Understand that your race plays a part in how you think. Right? It plays a part in how you think. Understand that when you go and you worship at a congregation that's predominantly white, they might not have a bass mic. They might not sing the songs that make it sound like that old soul music you used to listen to. And they might actually sing the notes of the song and not sing the scores four times. And there's nothing wrong with that. (laughs) There's nothing wrong with that. (laughs) <laughs> if you want if you want to reach someone who considers themselves to be a patriotic American, understand that if you're trying to teach them the word of God, it might do well to not bring politics into the conversation. Even though you may believe this or that, if you're trying to reach somebody and you know that their belief is entrenched in being a patriot, it might do well to leave the politics out of it while you explain the gospel to them. Mores. Uh, Mores are often dictated by society's values, ethics, and sometimes religious influences. Do you understand that in some cultures it's okay to walk around with no clothing on? That's their mores, right? Understand that in different cultures they have different ways of living, and sometimes we are going to have to change who we are without stepping on the toes of what God has given us to reach them. Let me show you something here in Scripture. Go to Acts chapter 17. Acts chapter 17. Acts chapter 17. Brother Arnold, I need you to read for me 16 through 21. Say amen when you're there. Oh, man. Okay, keep going. Acts chapter 17. It's up on the screen. There you Read it for us, Brother Arnold. Now, while Paul was waiting for them at Athens. Now, while Paul was waiting for them at Athens. His spirit was provoked. His spirit was provoked. Within him as he saw that the city was full of idols. Uh So he reasons in the synagogue with the Jews and the devout persons. Uh And in the marketplace every day with those who happened to be there. Uh Some of the Epicurean and Stoic philosophers also conversed with him. And some said, what does this babbler wish to say? Others said, he seemed to be a preacher of foreign divinities because he was preaching Jesus and the resurrection. Now, I want you to understand that this is early on in the Christian movement. And Paul is going to these different places, teaching to this different culture about things that they ain't never heard about. They're not familiar with Jesus, right? Some people may have heard about him, but they're not really familiar with who Jesus is. Keep reading. And they took him and brought him to the... Arapagus okay. saying, may we know what this new teaching is that you are pre- presenting? Uh-huh. For you bring some strange things to our ears. Uh-huh. We wish to know, therefore, what these things mean. Now all the Athenians and the foreigners who lived there would spend their time in nothing except telling or hearing something new. Uh-huh. Keep going. It's 22. So Paul, standing in the midst of Arapagus, said, men of Athens... I perceive that in every way you are very religious. Paul's there. Now, I want you to understand. Paul right here is using his old thinker, right? Because he knows that these people believe in a higher being. Doesn't that sound like what people talk about today? I believe in a higher being. I'm going to put this positive energy into the universe so that it can return back to me. Use that for your advantage when you're teaching people about God. Because understand that if you take that distorted thought, And you show them that there's something better. 
they'll grasp onto it if they got good sense. Okay? Because a lot of times, especially when you're dealing with different religions, do you understand that the only religion where God or the higher being wants to be in relationship with the human is Christianity? It's the only religion where the God wants to be in relationship with the created being. The only one. Watch what Paul does here. He says, "I, I perceive that you are religious, right? I perceive that you believe in a higher being. So Paul does this. What does 23 say? For as I passed along and observed uh-huh. the objects of your worship, okay. I found also an altar with its inscription. Listen to this right here. Paul, picture this in your mind. Paul is walking around their idols that they have built up to display who their gods are. And he sees a god that is that is described to uh, maybe Zeus or to Athena or to Baal or to these other gods. But he says he finds this one that says what? To the unknown God. He says, here is a God that you have built up, a statue that you have built up, and the inscription reads, to the unknown God. Right? He says, you believe that there is a God that you know nothing about. Right? And here's what Paul chooses to do with that. What does he say? What therefore you worship. Kendon, come on now. As unknown, uh-huh. this I proclaim he to says, you. He says, you know this God as being unknown, but let me tell you about this God that you don't know about. He's using some tact here. Keep going. The God who made the world and everything in it, uh-huh. being Lord of heaven and earth, Come on. does not live in temples made by men. Keep going. Nor is he served by human hands Keep going. as though he needed anything. All right. Since he himself gives to all mankind life and breath and everything. Keep going. And he made from one man every nation of mankind to live on all the face of the earth, having determined allotted periods and the boundaries of their dwelling place. Keep going. That they should seek God and perhaps, and perhaps feel their way toward him and find him. Yet he is actually not as far from each one what of us. What Paul here is doing, Paul says, you have this unknown God that you're not familiar with. Let me tell you who this unknown God is. He said, this is the God who created everything. This is the same God who made all men out of one man. This same God doesn't need you to bring anything to him for him to be. He just is. And the God that he describes here is the Yahweh God that we know of in the Old Testament. And he goes on to verse number 28 and he says, in him we live and move and have our being as even some of your own poets have said, for we are indeed his offspring. So he says, I'm going to take something that you know about from your poets and I'm going to apply it to the God that I serve so that you can see what God has to offer you. And perhaps if you learn about this unknown God, you will get rid of all your other gods to serve the one true Yahweh God. And we got to do the same thing. We have to be able to see what other people are seeing so that we can show them what we already saw. Amen. We can't do that if we refuse to see things from other people's perspectives. And we come from a culture spiritually to where we look at everybody else's religions and we just simply say you're going to hell. Instead of understanding why they're doing what they're doing. And that's why people are not putting the Church of Christ on the side of their buildings. Because they know that when people hear that they go to a Church of Christ, they automatically believe, y'all think y'all the only ones going to heaven. Because we created that culture in our past. And it's not right. Understand why people believe what they believe, then teach. That's seeing them eye to eye. Paul continues on and he teaches them all of these things about who God is. And he understood their view while staying loyal to God. You know, a lot of people thought it was strange that uh, when invited to speak at a church that, that seemed to be Pentecostal in this background, why I would go over and teach to them and preach to them. And I went over and a couple of people from here came. I went over on a Sunday And they had their musical instruments, and and they were worshiping God as they thought that it should be. And I got up and I preached the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ and the necessity for baptism for salvation. Did everybody believe it? No. (laughs) No, they didn't. Were some people confused? 
maybe. Were some people offended? Most definitely. But we can teach and we can move around certain things without disobeying God in order to teach the gospel. Hand-to-hand is what I want to talk about next. 2 Kings 4.34 again says, Brother Arnold, Then he went up and lay on the child, putting his mouth on his mouth, his eyes on his eyes, his hands on his hands. What I want you to see in the hands-to-hands is we must become a part of their world. We must become a part of their world. Get 1 Corinthians 9, 19 through 23 for me. 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 19 through 23. It's up there, Brother Arnold. For though I am free from all. Paul here is speaking. Paul says, I am free from all. I have made myself a servant to all. He says, I am free, but I make the choice to be underneath others, to make myself second. Pay attention to this. That I might win more of them. He says, I've chosen to put myself below others so that I can win them. Not for myself, Paul, Before God. Keep reading. To the Jews, I became as a Jew. He said, to the Jews, I became a Jew. When I'm teaching other Jewish people, I make sure to observe their culture. I make sure to observe their rules. If they have rules, understand, I've been inside of temples. And I want y'all to understand, I've been inside of a, 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 a mosque. And when they chime that little chime, they got a line that goes across the whole building. When they chime this little bell, everybody takes off their shoes. They get on that line and they pray towards the east. And I want you to know that they are more obedient and committed to their God, Allah, than some of us Christians are to the God. But I respected their culture enough to hear what they had to say. I've been in Buddhist temples while they worship, while they feed the spirits with their prayers. And I sat down and I had conversations with them. And I want you to understand that we cannot get people to open their hearts to what God has to say if we aren't willing to meet them where they are. Again, he says, to the Jews, I became as a Jew in order to win Jews. To those under the law, I became as one under the law. Keep reading that, Brother Arnold. Though not being myself under the law. He said, even though I wasn't under the law, that I, might I became win. as under the law so that they can hear me. Keep reading. I might win those under the law. Next verse. To those outside the law, uh-huh. I became as one outside the law. Okay. Not being outside the law of God, but under the law of Christ, that I might win those outside the law. Paul says, I was around folks who didn't even recognize God as being God. And yet I took the time to be around them so that they could understand Christ. Keep reading. To the weak, I became weak. To the weak, I became weak. That I might win the weak. Uh-huh. I have become all things to all people, that by all means I might save some. Understand that when you go to teach other people, you will not win them all. They won't all listen to what it is that God has to say. But if you take the time to become what they are, take the time to meet them where they are, some will be saved. Read verse 23. I do it all for the sake of the gospel. I do it all for the sake of the gospel. That I might share with them in its blessings. Now, I want y'all to see this right here. This right here is a version that one of our uh, adult Bible class students chooses to use. She throws the class off every time she reads it. But uh, sometimes it has a good translation here. She'll know who she is when she sees the version here on the bottom right. Go to the next slide. The message version. Now, This version right here is a transliteration of God's word, but sometimes it has the actual meaning of what the original language is saying, and it does here in this case. Uh, 1 Corinthians 9, 19 through 20 in the Message Bible says, Even though I am free of the demands and expectations of everyone, I have voluntarily become a servant to any and all in order to reach a wide range of people, religious, non-religious, meticulous, moralists, loose-living moralists. Keep reading the defeated, the demoralized, whoever. I didn't take on their way of life. I kept my bearings in Christ, but I entered their world and tried to experience things from their point of view. I've become just about every sort of servant there is in my attempts to lead those I meet into God, a God-saved life. And verse 23 of that message version says, I did all this because of the message. I didn't just want to talk about it, I wanted to be in on it. And a lot of times, as members of the Church of Christ, we are okay. Listen, a lot of times as members of the Church of Christ, we are okay with simply talking about it. 
but we don't want to be in on it. We will find every excuse not to teach the word of God. I don't know enough of the Bible. I can't put scriptures together. Understand that throughout the whole Bible, they're putting these things, these ideas, these beliefs together without scriptures. They're not, you don't have to tie scriptures together. Do you believe that Jesus is the Son of God? Oh, man, we're going to be here all day. Do you believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God? Do you believe that he died for your sins? Do you believe that he rose from the dead? You believe in the gospel. Teach that. You too can be in on it. I want you to see again that when Elisha, he lays down on the body, he becomes, he, he becomes a source of warmth for that child. The lost must feel our warmth. The lost must feel our warmth. Luke 5, verse number 27. I'm almost done. Luke 5, 27 through 32. After this, after this, he went out and saw a tax collector named Levi. He went out and he saw a tax collector named Levi. Sitting at the tax booth. Uh-huh. And he said to him, Okay. Follow me. Follow me. And leaving everything, he rose and followed him. Leaving everything, he rose and followed him. And Levi made him a great feast in his house. All right. And there was a large company of tax collectors Come on. and others reclining at the table with them. Uh-huh. And the Pharisees and their scribes grumbled at his disciples, saying, Why do you eat and drink with tax collectors Again, I paint the and picture. sinners? Again, I paint the picture of this. I need you to understand that Jesus chooses to go hang out with sinners. Now, understand... That how we do today is not the same way they did back then. Understand that if you made the choice to sit down and have a meal with somebody, you're saying, I agree, I am okay with who this person is. Understand that. That's what you're saying right here, right? This is kind of like how we do on Facebook today. You know how people send you friend requests, and you say, okay, well, who is this person? You click on them, and you see about their beliefs and what they do on their page. You say, okay, this person, I'm not going to decline there. To sit down and eat meant you accepted their friend request. And Jesus chose to sit down with somebody who was a known sinner. And when people who were religious saw this, they were upset. Jesus' response to them is this. Verse 31. And Jesus answered them. Jesus answered them. Those who are well have no need of a physician. He said, those who are well have no need of a what? Physician. That's a doctor for some. Okay, come on. But those who are sick. But those who are sick. I have not come to call the righteous, uh-huh. but sinners to repentance. He says people who are well don't need doctors, but those who are sick most definitely need doctors. I haven't called to come. I haven't come to this earth to call people who think they have it all together. I've come to call sinners to repentance. Jesus' mission was different from my own, but in some ways it's the same. We've been called to call sinners. I talked to this man last night. I was going to the Red Box. And my wife reminded me, hey, you need to get these movies back to the Red Box before we get charged again. And I go back to, I go up to the Red Box, and there's a man sitting there by the Red Box right up the street. And he says, hey, man, you got 30 cents? I said, uh, I don't carry cash. What do you need? He said, man, I'm just trying to get me a cigar. He said, I, don't want, I didn't want to lie to you. I'm just trying to get a cigar. I said, well, I will buy you what you need. But I said, I don't feel comfortable as a man of God giving you, uh, buying you some cigars, right? Because you know how people do with cigars. They bust them up and put all kinds of funny stuff in them. Uh, so I said, I'm, I'm, I don't feel comfortable giving you a cigar. But I said, you can come to the church. It's right down the street, Avenue G and 11th. And he's like, well, look at me, man. You know, he's up there. You know how people walk up and down Avenue G, how they dress. You know, they might wear the same thing for a whole month before they get new clothes from Feed My Sheep or CTLC. He says, I said, man, that don't matter. That don't matter. Right? It, it, it shouldn't matter about somebody's external appearance. It shouldn't matter what someone has done in their past. It shouldn't matter if somebody just committed a sin and walked into these doors. It shouldn't matter. We're not called. We're not called to be soil inspectors. We are called to plant the seed. To plant the seed. Not be soil inspectors, but to plant the seed. 
And if the individual members of the Avenue G Church of Christ would plant the seed, Brother Arnold can water, I can water, these children can water, and guess what? God then give the increase. But it's not just a Chris thing. It's a church thing. If we are not an evangelistic church, and, I, and what I say when I mean, when I, what I mean when I say that is, if we are not a church that is committed to teaching the gospel, we will not grow spiritually. I'm not concerned with numbers. I'm not concerned with, I'll, I'll be honest with you, I'm not concerned with numbers. Do y'all remember in Salmon's when there was only 12 people? God takes care of the numbers. We have to grow spiritually. God will give the increase. God will add. But we have to continue to teach so that we can save, help to save people from damnation. So that we can continue to observe the things that God would have us to observe. Do you understand that the world that we live in now, the generation that are adults now, have grown up in households where their parents didn't make them go to Sunday school? Parents didn't make them go to worship? And so they don't have a relationship with God, and they're living a life not knowing what it is that they're supposed to do. They have children. They don't know how to be fathers. They don't know how to be mothers. They get married to be a wife to their husband and a husband to their wife. All of these things they're lacking. They don't know how to be employees and employers. Do y'all understand that the Bible teaches all of that? And if you've been at Wednesday night Bible class, we've been teaching that for the last four weeks. Amen. The Bible teaches us how to live here and now. And we have a world that has no idea what to do. And so they have to pop pills to feel peace. And have to drink their troubles away for a day. And they have to find love in places where love doesn't exist. Sex is a fire that can rage for a moment, but it's going to go out. That's why God gave us the sanctity of marriage, the institution of marriage, where love can exist in all kinds of different uh, uh, scenarios. When I get on my wife's nerve, love still exists. You don't get that from a girlfriend, a boyfriend. But whenever you have a home that's built on the foundation of God, Amen, you have that. I can go into a job as a Christian and work as though I'm working for Jesus Christ. And I can be okay with my boss being a complete idiot because I don't go in working for him. I work for Jesus. But people don't have that peace and they won't have it if we don't teach. Amen. Uh, what we what we see here, I'm, I'm gonna let y'all get to Golden Corral. We we must we must pass on the warmth of the body to those who are dead and dying, because they won't receive warmth properly from the world. I want you to understand that the world does have warmth for each other. I mentioned earlier gangs. I mentioned in other places relationships, same-sex relationships, but I want you to understand that the, the warmth that the world offers is only temporary. All you will right. be warm for a moment, but you'll be back cold again. Number two is, if you offer the warmth, it will shock them into life when they feel it, knowing that you used to be cold too. And, and, and a lot of us in here were sure enough dead until we met Jesus. Some of them, like some of us, like myself, we knew Jesus, chose to commit spiritual suicide, and then we got in relationship with God again, and we, we received that warmth back again. I want you to understand that I have not been a preacher my whole life. I used to be in the club. I used to be at City Lights. The City Lights still open? Don't answer that. Look, some of y'all just told on yourself. I used to be there. I used to be out there fornicating. I used to be out there cussing. I used to be out there fighting people. But look what God can do. It wasn't anything that I did that's special. I just chose to obey God. That's it. I'm no more special than you are. But God made me more than a conqueror. In conclusion, 
I want you to understand that we should not fear teaching. Uh, there will be mistakes. Understand, you will make mistakes when you choose to be a teacher. That's just, that's just, that's common, okay? And don't feel like you're by yourself when you choose to teach people and you make mistakes. There are some times in Bible class where somebody will ask the question, and I will say, in all truth, I don't know, but I will find out, okay? Don't be afraid to say you don't know. Uh, there will be moments where you must admit it, there will, uh, but never leave it at that. Don't leave it a question as a question. Always seek to reveal the truth of God, both to self and to others. This is the conclusion of our People of More series. As we have looked at our uh, mission statement, I want you to understand um, that if we're going to call ourselves People of More, we need to be People of More. Uh, if you are a member of the Avenue G Church of Christ and you seek to be better in Christ, you seek the prayers of the uh, believers here, I want you to understand that you can receive prayer. That you can do better. You can turn your life around. If you're not a Christian this morning, I want you to understand God loves you. God loves you. And he's written you a love story from Genesis to Revelation. But you must understand that you have to believe. You have to believe. All right. And the reason being is, is that we are not bodies with souls. We are souls in possession of a body. You have to take that inner man and you have to believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. You must repent of your sins. That means the things that you have, the way that you have been living, the sin that you have been feeling as though is okay, you must turn away from it. Repentance is a change of heart, okay, that leads to a change of action. You have to change your mind about your lifestyle that you've been living, okay? You must confess that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. This confession, it costs Jesus his life. It will cost you yours too. And I want you to understand that there are some bodies or some churches that will tell you that you don't have to change. They will tell you that as long as you send in your tithe, you'll see salvation. They will tell you that as long as you just uh, come whenever we're doing our giving portion or if you come to the community church, you can do as you want as long as you think you're doing it.